everyone. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. Uh, first and foremost, just in case you missed us announcing it, we have officially launched the first episode of our second show. Yeah, seriously, our second show. That is wild, and we are so excited. We've been working on this for months, and it honestly, it just feels so good to finally be able to talk about it. Yeah, so the show is called The Grim Curriculum Extra Credit, and it's going to be a more casual approach to the topics that we normally cover. For example, in our first episode, we interviewed the lovely Tracy, who is a collector of haunted dolls. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you give it a listen after this episode. The show is going to be out every second Wednesday, and you can find it on all of our usual platforms. But enough about that, because Mm -hmm. today marks the final episode in our Titanic series. That's right. Throughout the last three episodes, we've covered the building of the ship and everything leading up to the disaster that would earn the Titanic a place in the history books as one of the worst disasters at sea. We also talked about the sinking itself, the rescue of the survivors, and of course, we talked about where the ship is now. Today, things are going to get a little weird. Yes, they are, because it is conspiracy theory time. That's like my favorite time. I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of sad that this series is ending, but I couldn't be happier about how we're finishing things off, because the last few weeks have been an emotional roller coaster, to say the least, and I'm excited to end things on a wacky note. I have learned so much during this series, and learning new things always makes my brain super happy, so I'm very thankful for that. I don't mean to, like, toot our own horns here, but toot toot, Charlotte. Toot toot. (laughs) Before we get started, we just want to thank you all for the love and support over this series. Thank you for sharing it, and thank you for all of your kind words. This isn't going to be the last time we talk about the Titanic, to say the least. And I don't know about you, Charlotte, but I am already looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to also hear your guys' opinions on all the theories that we're going to talk about today. So if you have any thoughts, do not hesitate to reach out to yeah. us. Uh, you can email us, send us comments, or message us. We love hearing from you any which way. This is a conspiracy theory episode. We all know things are going to get a little weird, so we're going to ease you all into this with one that's fairly easy on the brain. Uh, because that certainly can't be said for some of the other stuff we're about to talk about. So. <laughs> no, it cannot. <laughs> So the first theory is that the thing that led to the sinking of the Titanic was simply poor quality steel. The type of furnaces that they used to make the steel that they used to build the ship were acid line open hearth furnaces. That allowed for easy contamination of the steel due to sulfur and phosphorus working their way through the final product. This basically made it so the steel wasn't as strong and therefore wasn't able to withstand cold water. Which was pretty damn important. Exactly. So when you hear this, it starts to make sense. But friends, as always, we are here to bring you the facts. So let's talk about steel for a minute. And for the record, what we're going to talk about comes straight from the Titanic Historical Society. Both the Titanic and its sister ship, the Olympic, were built using something called Seams Martin Formula Steel Plating. This was something first used in the late 1800s on armed merchant ships. So it was pretty strong stuff. Exactly. And by 1912, they had really perfected this process. Each single plate was meticulously tested, and this was something that was extremely expensive. And they weren't about to cheap out on these ships. And one of the things that they considered when choosing this method was the state of the ships from the late 1890s. They were all still in great shape despite years of constant use. 
A lot of the people who worked on the sister ships referred to this steel as battleship quality. Now, of course, they didn't really predict that the ship was ever going to sink. Was a lot of work put into making sure this ship was one of the best quality possible? Yes. But, as we well know now, they never really predicted that the ship was going to hit an iceberg and sustain the kind of damage that it did. Another thing that takes away from this theory is that basically every other ship that was built using this process never had any problems. Even the Olympic survived crashing into both a battleship and a German U-boat. Yep, and that bad bitch, the Olympic, she sunk that U-boat too. Yes, she did. <laughs> that almost makes it seem like the Titanic was, I don't know, cursed? Which brings us right around to our next theory. Was the curse of a mummy responsible for the sinking of the Titanic? Oh boy. Oh yeah. Okay, so in April of 1923, the New York Times published an article called Beautiful but malignant priestess is said to resent touching her coffin lid. Officials call stories myths but superstitious even blame her for sinking of Titanic. In the article, they talk about how the death of the Earl of Carnarvon had recently revived the interest in mummy-related stories and how this all went back to the mummy of a priestess named Amun-Ra. At the time the article was written, the mummy was being kept in the British Museum in London. At the time the article was written, the mummy was being kept in the British Museum in London. As the story goes, the mummy was discovered in 1864 and was sold to a wealthy traveler. Soon after it came into his possession, he lost all of his money and died of a broken heart. Yikes. Not only that, two of his servants also died, and they had also handled the mummy. A third servant must have realized something was up because he refused to touch it. I like this guy. Yeah, he, just, he, he right? caught on. He's like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> no, he did, unfortunately, say a lot of bad stuff about it, and he lost his arms a few weeks later in a terrible accident. So was this a series of terrible coincidences, or was it because of the mummy? Multiple people who photographed it died shortly after a long string of absolutely terrible luck. Eventually, it was donated to the museum, but things didn't stop there. The man who was hired to transport it also died, and his assistant broke his leg. Okay, honestly, like, at this point, I don't care what you believe, but I feel like if you have any sense, you're not gonna go anywhere near this thing. No kidding. That all being said, it now brings us to the Titanic. So first and foremost, when we were working on this episode originally, we were going to do a quick blurb on a Titanic victim named W.T. Stead. Um, but after looking into him, I legitimately believe this man deserves his own episode. So we're not going to talk about him a ton today, but this isn't going to be the last time we talk about him either. No, he's definitely on the list. Fascinating. He became interested in spiritualism, which we have actually talked about quite a bit on the podcast. If you want a breakdown of what it is, check out our third episode ever, The Bloody Benders, which was 50 episodes ago. Bonkers. <laughs> That's wild. What? Time has flown. Oh. <laughs> Long story short, he had read about the mummy and he wanted to see it with his own two eyeballs. At this point, everyone had heard the stories and she was dubbed the unlucky mummy. W.T. Stead took a huge interest in the story and he wrote about it on numerous occasions. 
It wasn't sold to Stead himself, but to a private collector who also happened to be on board the Titanic. The collector had planned for an exorcism to be performed on the mummy, but couldn't find anyone to actually do it. So he ended up selling it to an American archaeologist who did not believe in the stories. When it came time for the mummy to be shipped off to her new home, there was no better choice but the latest and greatest in passenger and mail travel, the Titanic. There are many who still believe that it was her presence on board the ship that doomed the voyage from the very start. That's a pretty fascinating story, but is there actually any truth to it? Well, there is a quote-unquote unlucky mummy at that museum, but she has no name. She is only referred to as number 22542. It also isn't actually a mummy, but the inner lid of a coffin. As far as anyone can tell, there are no unlucky events or deaths associated with it, but there is a record of a coffin lid with that number being on the Titanic. So, did it go down with the ship or is it now in a museum? We have to go to the Encyclopedia of Mummies for this. It tells the actual story. The story was initiated early in this century by Douglas Murray and W.T. Stead, two Englishmen who claimed they knew of a mummy brought to England and placed in a drawing room of an acquaintance. The morning after the mummy arrived, everything breakable in the room was destroyed. The mummy was moved to several rooms in the house, each time with the same result. Soon after these supposed events, Murray instead visited the first Egyptian room of the British Museum, where they saw the coffin lid, number 22542, of a priestess of a moon. They decided that the face on the lid was that of a tormented soul and told this to newspapers, which were eager to print sensational stories, especially about mummies and curses. Soon, the coffin lid became identified with the destructive mummy. This is a really interesting theory, and it took a while for us to get to the bottom of it, but unfortunately, it does look like the unlucky mummy on board the ship was probably only a story. Although its name in the record certainly leaves us with some questions. Right? This one had me thinking, because we know the mummy is there. Like, we know where it is today. But mm -hmm. why was it on the manuscript? Oh, yeah. See, I, I this is... Get. I, I mean, this, I think, is my favorite of the theories, but... Mine too, because it there is no answer, because that is my main question. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel, I don't know, I like the paranormal kind of side to it as well. Me too. Our next theory starts off pretty reasonably, but just you wait. Things get weird really quick. Okay, so you may remember us talking about the famous millionaire banker J.P. Morgan a few times throughout the series. He had originally planned to travel on board the Titanic, but he changed his mind at the last moment. After the sinking, people became suspicious of his last-minute decision. Especially since quite a few of his rivals died on the ship. Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim were three of his biggest competitors and not one of them survived. Was this a coincidence? Or did J.P. Morgan plan the sinking of the Titanic as part of an evil scheme to get rid of those who stood in his way? This theory is pretty interesting and is one of the most popular conspiracy theories regarding the Titanic, but it is probably one of the ones with the least amount of proof. And we just talked about mummies, so... Yeah, yeah. that's saying a lot. 
It doesn't really explain how he got the ship to sink, but those who believe it say that he did it because his rivals did not support the creation of the Federal Reserve. But a pretty quick Google search shows that Isidore Strauss actually did support it and Jacob Astor and Benjamin Guggenheim, they didn't really seem to care too much about it at all. So it's honestly certainly not anything that would cause someone to want to murder them and 1,500 other people. And we'd like to give a huge shout out to Cosplay Bug Yeg on Instagram for providing us with the following great info because this honestly just gets wild. Yeah, seriously, this is a wormhole and a half. So if this makes your brain spin, don't worry, that is absolutely normal. Apparently, there are some who even believe that Captain Edward Smith was a Jesuit who was chosen to sail the ship because he would do anything for the order and for God's will. Because what else would explain how a captain as experienced as him would willingly sail into iceberg territory? Honestly, and there is a ton of information when it comes to this theory that makes us want to bring out the corkboard and the red string and the pins and the pictures. And the screaming. Yeah, the screaming and the hair pulling out and all that good stuff. <laughs> but essentially, it boils down to the idea that Captain Edward Smith deliberately caused the sinking of the ship in order to eliminate some of the most influential men around in order to guide the world in the direction they wanted. And we're not even going to pretend that's not confusing as hell. So let's bring it back to something a little bit more simple. And this is another one that Cosplay Buggy Egg sent to us. And honestly, like every single time we get something from her, it is top notch. So thank you so much. Yes. So let's talk about the flares. Yeah. So in the early 1900s, flares coming from a ship didn't actually always signal an emergency. Sometimes ships would just set them off to let people know that they were just around. If they are fired at one minute intervals, that means the ship needs help. However, the Titanic's flares were fired off at random intervals, which many believe caused nearby ships to just ignore them. How is it possible that none of the people firing the flares knew how to properly communicate with them? I honestly, I don't know. I have some trouble with this one because I think this could just be the result of panic. Totally. Absolutely it could. They actually ended up firing one rocket at 12.45 a.m. and seven more randomly throughout the course of about eight minutes. But there were long periods of time during that eight minutes where no rockets were seen. So they did shoot them off, but it was super sporadic, which basically told the other ships that they were having navigation issues and to stay away from them. Due to this, many ships reported seeing some rockets, but none that caused any concern. And here's where it gets really weird. None of this was actually investigated, but this happened. This one, I think, makes you think a little bit more because there is legitimate proof that the flares were not fired properly. And there's no doubt that if they were fired properly, that rescue would have come a lot sooner and less people would have died. So was it a result of panic or was it something more sinister? We're probably never going to find out about that one. At the end of the day, when we're looking at such a tragic event, it's so easy to want to make it make sense. Oh, absolutely. It's hard to really wrap your mind around something like this. So many people boarded the ship thinking they couldn't have been safer when, in reality, it seems like overconfidence in the ship and the people who built it was what led to their demise. 
And I think that's when conspiracy theories come out the most. Do some of these theories have legitimacy to them? Sure, but I think our brains tend to go in every direction with things like this because it's hard to wrap your minds around how something this awful could happen. I do love a good conspiracy theory, though, because I know a few peeps out there can relate to this, but I was obsessed, like I said, with ancient Egypt when I was a kid, and then I saw The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, yes. and it shaped who I was as a person. So the cursed mummy theory is my favorite of them, like, at all, like all of the theories. That's my favorite. But in reality, like, just to bring it back down to earth, I'm pretty sure it was just man's hubris and altogether bad luck. I think so too. I think it was one of those situations where every single thing that could have gone wrong did. Exactly. Yeah. The tragedy of the Titanic was something that traumatized survivors for the rest of their lives and rightfully so. The amount of people who must have dealt with PTSD or other things after this that probably never got the help that they needed is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I highly suggest watching survivor interviews. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because the last survivor to pass away was also the youngest on board, Milvenia Dean, who we discussed a little bit before. She was the last to pass away in 2009. I'm honestly so thankful that we have as many interviews with the survivors as we do, especially now that they're all gone. Yeah, and sadly, soon enough, the ship itself will also be gone. Yep. Like we said last week, experts are currently saying that by 2030, the ship will be completely washed away. Apparently, a few years ago, National Geographic did a thing where you could do like an underwater Google Maps tour of the ship, but unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. But you can look up, obviously, the exact spot on Google Maps, which is still pretty neat. Unless, of course, you have an extra $250,000 to spend, <laughs> like we talked about last week, and I maintain, I would do that shit in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone, so that's that. This is the final end of our four-part Titanic series. Wow. We, it's... I, it's been a good month, I think. It's I've, been wonderful. This has been yeah. such a treat. Honestly, like, the last big series that we did was Danny Rolling, and I was exhausted by the end of that one. And this one, just, like, all of this is something I'm just so incredibly passionate about. Like, I could talk about this all day, and I'm just so excited that we got to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing, actually, the Danny Rowling's case is a really good one uh, as a comparison where... When you're researching a level that's heavy like that, I mean, they're all quite heavy. <laughs> that's just the nature of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. But with a case like Danny Rowling, the more you learn, the more you don't want to learn anymore, You because it's like, oh my God, it's just going to get worse and worse. Yes. Whereas with the Titanic, yes, some of the stories that you learn about, they really like get you right in the heart. And some of them genuinely made me tear up a little bit still thinking about Quig Baxter. I will always <laughs> remember Quig Baxter like, oh, but when you learn something new about something like the Titanic, it makes you want to continue to learn more. Whereas sometimes, like I said, with those really, really heavy, dark, morbid subjects, you're like, oh, I've had enough. I I'm, think I'm excited to like push it out of my brain. Like I can tell you right now, I don't remember like 90% of the Danny Rowling stuff and I don't want to. And that's probably your brain <laughs> protecting you. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, that all being said, we certainly enjoyed ending off things here with um, a wackier note uh, with, this, with the conspiracy theories. We hope you got a kick out of them because we sure did. 
do you have a favorite one or is there one that you believe that we didn't talk about today because if so we want to hear from you and of course if you know of anyone who was on the ship that you think should have their own episode please let us know because like we said we've got a few in mind already that we've added to our list Thank you so much, honestly, from the bottom of our hearts for your support and love on this one. We had an absolute blast on this series, and we really hope you guys did too. Mm-hmm. Next week, we will be bringing you an Unsolved Mystery. Oh my god, I'm not even kidding. I've been watching old Unsolved Mystery episodes with Robert Stack obsessively since we did the <laughs> Oakville Blobs episode. I can't stop, and I don't want to. I'm watching like five a day. I can tell when you've watched a couple of really good ones because suddenly I like I'll get the Discord notifications of you putting more suggestions on our case list. So and I you, love it. You see everything I watch on YouTube too, so I'm sure That's you see true. it and you're like, oh, she's on a kick. <laughs> I do. I can see the history. So, <sighs> all right. So, what else do we have to go over tonight? Uh, oh yes, we have some new merch on the way, keychains and magnets, so make sure you check out our Etsy shop. It's honestly a great way to support the podcast. So is our Patreon, too. We yeah. have a ton of amazing content on there. Um, March was kind of a wild month for us. Those of you who don't know, I am no longer full-time streaming. I have joined a big new super fun career. Um, so we apologize for any delays in content, but we're going to get back to all of that with some awesome stuff for you all in April. You betcha. And we want to give a huge shout out to our Grim VIP tier and up. Thank you so much to Johnny, Lisa, Pink Flamingo 20, Bob, Brian, Hillary, and Mudkip. You should check out our Patreon so that we can say your name at the end of our episodes. How cool would that be? So go sign yourself up. Or sign up a friend. Or an enemy. We're not picky. To keep up with the latest Grim Curriculum news, make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms, and we're going to link our personal stuff below, too. Thanks for listening. This has been The, the Grim, Grim Curriculum. Curriculum. Hey, Charlotte, did you know you can grow teeth on your ovaries? Oh, go oh my God. <laughs> well, I do now. You're welcome. Oh, no, I don't. I do not claim that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.